Well, here we are again. United. It's been a long time. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Reunited. On the Casual Conversation Podcast with Will and Gary. Will and Gary. How you been, dude? Good, man. A lot of stuff's been going on, man. Yeah, I can imagine. I just, uh, we were just right before we got on the podcast, I was uh, playing with Liam, assuring them that uh, Uncle Gary's going to be one of the favorites. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) We will see. When's the last time we did an episode, Gary? I can't remember. Uh, the last time we did an episode was on Matt? the back porch of my dad's place with Matt talking about cannabis. How long ago was that? I feel like that was uh, before June. Yeah. It was before June because I was back up in Springfield by then. So uh, over two months at least. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. I know. That's I know. Crazy. We keep taking these extended hiatuses. Yeah, and but uh, that's okay. That's okay. I feel like I feel like uh, at some point, you know, when when we don't have as many things that we're juggling, uh, we could be a little bit bit more consistent. And speaking of podcasts, I just I just want to make a little announcement. <laughs> um, in the future, I'm actually currently working on this, but in the future, I'm going to be creating another podcast, a solo podcast that I do by myself. It's going to be pretty short in comparison to the uh, casual conversation podcast. But, you know, 15, 20 minutes of me talking about um, health and well-being and different different aspects of health and well-being and don't want to give too much away. But anyways, that's going to be something I do in the future to help kind of promote the uh, the business that I intend to run and everything like that so it's coming it, it'll be a bit it'll be a bit i'm still in school but it's coming everybody be on the lookout and that's going to be called uh, no i i, I can't I, tell them no it's a secret yeah i still don't know like i haven't like <laughs> oh, okay I there's not you. like a definitive i've got some ideas i got you you know but i'm keeping it loosey-goosey right yeah now. yeah me and gary were talking though the only reason not not the only reason i say that one of the main reasons that we really don't do casual conversation as often is because there's just something about when you're both on separate ends of the line on on a computer, like you don't get the same energy. And then our audio is slightly delayed, so we talk over each other and it doesn't sound as good. You know, it's just different whenever you can be in the same place together. So with that being said, we we'll, we might start doing like, a few short solos like every once in a while just to keep the just to keep the feed refreshed you know let the people know that we're still alive and well yeah and then gary like could host by himself up at springfield with one of his friends up there or i could have somebody come on over here you know just me and them or just gary and his friends up there so yeah we'll we'll try and do that will just showed me how to to work the the sound will's our sound dude and he he kind of relayed some info, so I can now Gary's sound dude junior, <laughs> yeah. sound dude junior. That's me. Wow. But yeah, we might try and start doing that. You know, because we're paying anyway to upload this stuff. You and have not, to pay you, a, a yeah. yearly fee, and we're not doing it, so we might as well do something. I guess. 
Yeah. Something is better than nothing, they say. No, dude, I, dude, I got some people that I can bring on up in Springfield for sure. That's what I'm saying. 100%. Dude, I, what about Phil? Dude, Phil will 100% <laughs> come on. I guarantee Phil. <laughs> Phil's, dude, Phil's got an interesting story. Phil's going to have two master's degrees, one in business, one in nutrition diagnostics. He's uh, he's an interesting soul. Got to get him to talking, but I, I know how to do that. Phil. I know how to get I like him. Phil. Yeah, dude. Phil's, Phil's cool. Um, but honestly, I want to get uh, I want to get some of my classmates for sure. But I want to see if some of my professors will come on the podcast, and maybe even potentially my preceptors. That would be very interesting. That'd be really cool to be honest with you. Yeah, dude. Like, cause like, dude, because they can get on there and talk about whatever their field of study and field of work is. That'd be y- neat. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's nutrition, but it's like I've met some really brilliant people that really know what they're talking about. Um. And it'd be really cool to kind of hear their perspective on things, you know? Yeah, for sure. So. That'd be neato. Anyways, what have, what have you had uh, going on in your life, Will? Man, so last time, when was that? Two? That was, we'll say three months ago. My wife was still pregnant with our child. So that's crazy. So we, she had him, man. It was a. Uh, it was an insane experience. Everything turned out well, you know, nothing went awry. Everything went as smoothly as I think it could have gone. And he's, he's just living, man. Two months old. He turned two months old a couple of days ago or a few days ago. So, dude, I forgot we haven't even podcasted since you've had your baby. Yeah. That's insane, man. Liam. You can call me Papa Willie. Papa Willie. Papa Willie. Down the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god remember that old harley bike you used to have no dude it wasn't a harley bike it was like it was a some... jesse james chopper bike <laughs> dude i remember that don't call it a harley bike it's a jesse james bike <laughs> dude that thing that thing was actually pretty cool i was pretty envious of it dude, the only thing though is you couldn't adjust the gear ratio on it so if you went up a hill it was impossible to take it up a hill because the pedals were so slow that my legs weren't strong enough to <laughs> pedal it up a hill. I had to get off and push it up the hill. Dude, when you when people call you or you say, like, refer to yourself as Papa Willie, I just see you on that Jesse James chopper bike, like, just, brrr, just, like, just steadily riding a wheelie. Anyways. Dude, I actually, I went over to my dad's. Uh, me, and, me and my wife had a yard sale with my cousin and uh, his wife. And uh, I was f- trying to find stuff in the old shed, and I saw it out there. And I was like, no way. The Jesse James chopper bike is still alive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't get it out, though. It was super rusty. It had been sitting out in the rain for probably 15 years. Probably so. a tetanus risk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways. So, tell us. Like, tell us. Give us the progression. Like, my interest when it comes to babies, and really just humans in general, is just like the development of their their mind and the development of their body. So give me a little bit, give us all a little bit of an overview of what has been happening in the life of Liam. Dude, yeah. So I guess we could start out the whole process in general. So I, I had no idea what was going on with like um, labor and how much happens to a woman whenever she has a baby. So like, we were scheduled to go in at like four in the morning for my wife to be induced to have the baby. Um, cause it was 
going to be Fourth of July weekend on his due date, and her doctor wasn't going to be there, so they wanted to do it during the week before. So we were trying to go to sleep. We obviously weren't going to sleep that night because you know I was like a freaking long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs, nervous. Like I was like pacing around. Anyway, we were like, okay, let's try and get some sleep. It was like twelve o'clock, and so she started having contractions, and she hadn't had any like in the previous week at all. And all of a sudden, they just started, and she's like, I think I'm having a contraction. I was like, okay, well, we can. I was like, I think you can make it. So, I think you can make so, it. You told her that? No, I, dude, because if. I think you can make it, babe. You're all right. No, 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 no. Because if, if the contractions are, it depends on how far apart they are and how long they last is whether you're supposed to go or not. So if they last for like more than an hour and they're five minutes or less apart, you're definitely supposed to go. So she was having one like every once in a while. Dr. Penning. So, yeah, did you like that? <laughs> So I said, okay, I think we can make it until we go because we're going to leave at like 4, 4 a.m. and it was like 12.30. So they just, but then they just kept getting faster and faster and faster and she was like, okay, we're going to have to go. So I was like, then I got insanely nervous and I was like, okay, 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 I guess. So we go to the hospital and it was weird because all the COVID stuff going on, I had to wear a mask and then we had to go in through the certain entrance. And then eventually we made it. We made it up there. And by that time, she was hurt big time. You know the labor pains, and that was a very humbling experience. Uh, when I, I assume it's like this with anything, not just um, having a having a baby or your wife is pregnant, just, but seeing a loved one in an excruciating amount of pain, but there's nothing you can do about it. You know, and you know it has to happen. It has to happen. Like. That that was probably the worst I felt the whole time. Yeah. Was just seeing her sitting there like in pain and then you can't do anything at all. Like all I can do is be supportive. And that's very difficult when somebody is, you know, going through the worst pain they've ever felt in their whole life. Yeah. Physically that it you know what I mean? So that made that makes you feel kinda not worthless but helpless, you know. Yeah. Like you want to do something so bad but you can't. So that was the first time I had like a different mindset about it. Mm-hmm. Made me feel like that. And the whole the whole process of this is like it brings out different emotions and feelings in you that you've never felt before. But I'll talk about that later. But anyway, so she did get an, an epidural and after she got that she was gravy. Like gravy. She had, she, yeah, she she fell asleep. They said we want to wait to start pushing until your doctor gets here at like six in the morning. So we took a nap, whatever. But dude, yeah. So the doctor came in, had the baby. That was, I won't go into detail about that. It's kind of graphic, but that, is, <laughs> that is an insane, insane experience in a, of itself. Like just seeing a little tiny human come out of another human. It's, it's indescribable. Like, you you would you don't think that it could even happen, but that's the way it's been for as long as humans have been alive. Wow, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it yeah. it was completely insane to see a little small human that I created being ejected out <laughs> of this other human. That it's like the PS4 <laughs> you eject. <laughs> <laughs> wow, but dude, it was crazy. And, uh, yeah, he came out 
and Jesus held them up, and I was like, that's when you get flooded with just a million different emotions at all at once. You know, you're yeah, so try to try to describe that mind state. So I figured I would be more emotional than I was. I wasn't necessarily emotional. Um, at that point, it was like sheer excitement and just like joy because she was so relieved that it was finished with. And then he was there and he, he was crying and they were like, oh, he looks great. And then so that was like a big relief off of my conscience. And I was just insanely happy at that point. You know, like some people say, oh, I started crying. I couldn't control myself. Yeah, I was I was emotional. I figured I would be like that because I'm a pretty emotional person. But I was just like overcome with joy that everything worked out well. And I couldn't stop smiling. I was just like taking pictures of him and stuff. And then they gave him to my wife and uh, she held him for the first time. I don't know. It was just like one of the happiest times I've ever seen because she worked so hard for that moment. And then once it finally arrived, you could just see the like the relief and the joy on her face. And it was it was awesome. Wow, that's one of those experiences that you'll never forget. That's you know? beautiful, man. Yeah, the whole the whole process of having a kid. Um, that's one thing. I actually wrote that down because I was going to talk about all the all the ways that it affects your life, and uh, it creates so many different memories for you. Like, there's just so many times I can look back. I say look back. It's only been two months, but <laughs> look back on that time span and there's just yeah, so just many part me- of reflection so you know? many memories that just stick in your brain of instances that you know or something something cool happened or the way that a situation made you feel and that was one of them when they gave him to her and he, she was just sitting there and he was so happy and i was like man i'll never forget that as long as i live it was cool yeah but that joy and happiness remained but slowly starts getting (laughs) your your brain slowly starts getting more and more stressed out when he starts crying and then you got to change some diapers and then all the responsibilities and uh not fear but um uncertainty of what's going to happen starts to kick in after that you know like you're high on life on cloud nine and then a couple hours later once everything's clear he looks good. They went and gave him a bath, checked all his vitals. Everything's looking good. They bring you back to him. They say, okay, here you go. We'll be back to check on you later. And it's just me and her in there with him. And we're like, okay, so now we have to take care of this little tiny human for the rest of his life. <laughs> Provide him with nourishment. Make sure he survives. And then that's when you kind of get nervous. Yeah. Because you're like, there's a whole life here. That's completely dependent upon us, and we have to do the right thing for him to yeah. survive. Because I want to want to interject here and uh, talk about that uncertainty feeling that you're talking about. That uncertainty of uh, you know what's wrong or how it stresses you out. And I think I think to a degree, to a degree, it it is fear. Uh, I, uh, I think that, and I, this is me just speaking theoretical. I'm not a parent, but just really the way you treat anybody or the way that you operate from any place, um, you either operate from that place out of, out of fear or out of, out of love. And like, yeah, you want to be, you want to be, 
you know, loving of the kid and you want to concern yourself with what's going on in the kid's life. But, and I'm just speaking generally, I'm not speaking about your situation. Oh, no, no, keep going. Yeah. But when you operate out of, out of genuine love and just concern, not that you're scared of what's going to happen to the kid because the way that that manifests often is that you you become kind of an obstacle to their growth because you don't allow them to experience their own life for themselves speaking in like a kid situation so it's like finding that balance of yeah like I'm not going to leave my baby outside when it first learns to walk and just like leave it out there for hours. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that that's, that's not concerning yourself with its well being, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, but then there's also when it grows, grows as it grows, you kind of have to let that uncertainty um, expand, if you will. It's like you have to kind of let it um, not. Not let you micromanage what they're doing because that's just going to end up making them resent you. And it's it's really operating, instead of operating from that place of fear, just everything that you do as the child grows, operating from that place of love. You you love it enough not to let it be out in the yard for hours. Yeah. You love it enough not to let it sit in crap that it just crapped in its pants for hours. Um. So, yeah, as but as it grows, it's like, that's going to be less and less like you kind of have to let let go of that uncertainty if you will and can't let it stress you out because it'll drive you insane <laughs> yeah and that's very true um it's i guess you're right it was you, you are pretty i wouldn't even call it anxious it, it was kind of like fearful at first because you're like for one everybody says yeah it's it's stressful at first you know because you've never done it before and it's, mm-hmm. it's it's especially stressful because i told my wife it's like it's like think of you're fixing to go give a presentation in front of class or for work but you don't have any any background information you don't have a script and you haven't practiced at all well it's not that bad you know you can go online and read all this stuff about what you're supposed to do with your baby at this certain age in this certain time what they're supposed to, what they're supposed to eat, how much they're supposed to eat, what to do if they look like this, what to do if they are acting like this, but it's basically doing something that you've never actually practiced for, because yeah. you've never had a kid before. It's like stepping up in the box to, <laughs> yeah. to to hit in a baseball game, and you've never even taken a swing. Yeah, it's like you can be w- well versed on all the different nuances of the game but you've never actually played. Yeah. So it's very, very stressful. Um, especially that first night we were in the hospital and he's, it's really the, it's not stressful if your baby's crying. Uh, I kind of got better at this. If you know what's wrong with him. If it's been, he's supposed to eat every three hours. If it's been three hours since he's eaten and he's getting mad and crying, you can safely assume it's because he's hungry. If you feed him, he stops crying. You're like, sweet. So if he's crying then, it's it's fine. If you if he's crying and you smell him, he smells like pee or poop, probably got a dirty diaper. Change his diaper. Um I hope I hope my future wife has a good sniffer because my <laughs> sniffer's not great. Yeah, 
I'm gonna be staring at the baby feeding him, and he's got a dirty diaper. <laughs> Anyways, if it's late at night and he's not asleep and he's getting mad, it's probably because he's tired, you know. But if it's in the middle of the day, you just change his diaper. He had a nap. He just woke up from a nap. Just fed him. He starts crying. Won't stop crying. That's when it gets stressful because you don't know what's wrong with him. When you have an unconsolable baby, that's like one of the most stressful things that I've ever felt in my whole life. Because it's this little tiny human you love and care so much about and you want them to feel perfect and they're screaming and crying and you know something's wrong but you don't know how to fix it. Like, mm-hmm. So then you just go through all the, this whole list of something that might make them stop crying and that's a very stressful feeling. Yeah, the so good- we, we were talking about the the baby's growth a while ago and how you don't want to hinder that but... This stress that you're talking about, I mean, things adapt to stress. You're you're going to grow through this experience, Dude, too. I, I was fixing to say, that, uh, that uneasiness and stress makes other situations less stressful. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, if we're out in public, and your baby's crying, and you don't know what to do, that's a stressful situation, but now that I've that's happened a few times, like something will happen at work that I used to get all flustered about, and I'm like, whatever, you know, because I've the baby stuff is way more stressful to me now. It's like my stress threshold has increased dramatically, so stuff I used to think was stressful isn't even stressful anymore, which is cool, you know. It helps out, so I guess it's a you can always take a positive out of a negative situation and flip it around, you know? Because mm-hmm. that is one, one benefit. My stress threshold is insanely high now. It doesn't bother yeah. me. Little, little things like that don't affect me anymore. But that, that doesn't happen too often. You don't get stressed out like that too often. Um, I yeah, guess it, I talk guess, about the talk about the good sides of having a yeah, baby, dude. So <laughs> it when your baby is happy and just sitting there smiling at you, looking at you, it's like one of the best feelings in the world because the thing that you work so hard to protect and love is like showing you affection back. It's like the most rewarding thing that you've ever seen, and I can't even imagine like. He's two months old, so he obviously can't talk, but he makes noise, and he can smile, and he can look at you. So he sounds like a cat. I call him cat boy sometimes because he makes noise. Cat boy. <laughs> but uh, you start talking to him, and he'll just start making noise, like, and like looking at you and smiling. You're like, man, that's so awesome. Um, but it makes you think, like, wow, it's going to be so awesome whenever he's old enough to, like, look at me and talk to me and say like dad i love you man like that's that's like wow that's uh, powerful dude dude it i chokes me up just thinking about it yeah and especially like um it gives you it also gives you a newfound respect and perspective for your own parents mm-hmm. um because you know we used to all think dude our dads are so lame like yeah <laughs> they're so lame they don't even <laughs> Sorry, they just dad, do their own. Sorry, dad, but you're lame. Yeah, you're just, they're so lame. They don't know what they're talking about. Uh, but then I, I start thinking about 
well, he's going to feel the same way about me, man. You know, everybody thinks their dad is lame at some point. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be a tough pill for me to swallow. Yeah. But then you start thinking like, man. Because I'm not lame. <laughs> <laughs> but then you're like, man, maybe uh, maybe our parents weren't as lame as we thought. Maybe they, Maybe they loved us. Maybe my dad loved me the way I'm feeling right now, but I just never understood the way that he felt. Because it's yeah. so hard to express the way you feel. It's like, they really do say an unconditional love. Like, it's insane. I've, you, you'll never feel anything like it. Bro, you're hitting, me in, the, you're hitting me in the feels, bro. Dude. And especially, like, I, like, I'll come home, and my wife is still off work, and she'll be sitting there with the baby, just holding him. He's, like, happy as a lark. And then my dog is sitting there right beside him. And I'm like, my three favorite living organisms in the entire universe <laughs> just right here. And you just like, it's easy to get overwhelmed with emotion just by everything that's going on. Yeah. And uh, it's also hard to take time and make a point to not take for granted what's happening and to kind of take a step back and just realize that it's not going to be like that forever, you know? He's going to grow up. So as stressful as it may be when they're small, you need to take the time to soak in when he is that age because they grow up fast, man. <laughs> he's already two months old. He's huge. I feel like he was just a little tiny baby, but yeah, he's already getting so big. So you talk about that emotion that can just be overwhelming. So I want to I wanna paint... Uh, a picture of a very common scenario talking from like a man's perspective. So imagine, imagine having that emotion as a man, but say that man doesn't have the greatest degree of emotional intelligence. Say that that man has never really been in tune with his emotions and how you know, that relates to his life and his behaviors and and has never stepped back, what I call going meta. It's like stepping back and looking at your situation and how your emotions drive you. So say that man that has these overwhelming emotional, you know, experiences and triggers that doesn't understand how his emotions relate to him, how some of those fathers can behave in certain ways due to those emotions that he doesn't know how to handle and be a good father, uh, in quotations, good father. Um, so I applaud you, William. I mean, I've known you for a long time. I know that you've got, you know, good emotional intelligence. You're able to, you're able to feel into your emotions and understand what they mean um, to, a, to a pretty great degree, but not everybody has that. I know. And so honestly. Yeah. Honestly, that makes me really sad that I wish everyone, and you know, you, I feel grateful as well that I was in a situation and raised in a situation and um, put myself in a situation and around people where that could, my emotional intelligence per se, I don't know what that all that entails, but that that could grow. Yeah. You know, um, my friends help help that grow. My people you surround yourself with help that grow. 
um, exactly. my family members. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But um, man, I wish everyone could feel that level of emotion because it's, it's insane. Like it, it man, emotions manifest themselves that you've never felt before. So it's like a whole, whole new experience. And uh, it's just, it's in, insane how, yeah. how emotional you can get. Like I, I'm a pretty emotional guy, but I, yeah, you know, it's just like every little thing. Well, somebody like, that's not. And, and things that didn't used to make me emotional will make me emotional now. Or like yeah. just strike a nerve in my heart or something. Like we'll be at the park and uh, I'll see this little kid running around playing with his family, playing with his brothers and sisters. And I'm like, man, he's just like yeah, so small and <laughs> pure hearted. And he's just living his life. He has no concern about anything going on except how happy he is in that you exact You can appreciate moment. that. Yeah. That's awesome. Dude, like you appreciate, you'll go. You see a beautiful sunset, and you're like, man, it just there's just something about it. It just having a small child just manifests so many different emotions within myself. Yeah, and like I get, and so you I, I get I get worked up at everything now, dude. I'm like a basket case. Yeah, you're you're an emotional guy, and so the point that I was making earlier is that most of the times, if you're not an emotional guy per se you shove those emotions down. So I'm glad that you can experience those in the way that you do, not only in your own life, but like you're talking about looking at other families in the park and like understanding like, oh, dude, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and then you also feel very, you feel an enhanced amount of happiness Mm -hmm. and joy, but you also, it goes the other way. You also get, upset and sad at different things like Mm -hmm. i'll will i mean it's not a very serious situation but we'll be out doing something and you'll hear a baby crying and you're like man you know the parents could be trying i used to we used to always joke around if you hear a baby crying in public we'd go shut that baby up yeah like to ourselves you know still do that (laughs) (laughs) but you're like man they could be doing everything in their power to get that baby to stop crying but sometimes it just doesn't happen and you feel bad for the baby. You, yeah. don't, you don't feel anger or resentment at the parents. You just feel bad for the little small child because it doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm glad you made that, that point that the emotions go both ways. Like they're, they're intensified regardless of the emotion. Yeah. It's not the yeah. content of the emotion. It's the structure of the emotion. It's like it's, it's more intensified. Yeah, happiness so, intensified, sadness, empathy so, intensified. Like, yeah, so it's crazy. Like, with going with what I have been talking about, it's really easy to accept those like moments when you're like, Oh, this is, you know, this is my child. And like, you know, you're talking about how when the child smiles at you and it's, it's really easy, but when it elicits that emotion of crying and it's stressing you out and you don't know how to handle your emotions, that's when it can really be, you know, challenging for parents to not only be emotionally connected to themselves, but, emotionally connect to the child it's mm-hmm. like if you don't understand your own emotions how are you going to be like emotionally supportive of this child mm-hmm. you know i think that's a really really common thing yeah and especially with uh with your significant other as well like they have emotions too and you have to take their emotions and feeling and feelings into consideration mm-hmm. you know um 
they're they're stressed out too. Like <laughs> we got a crying baby. I'm not the only one that's stressed out. So I have to be careful about how I approach and speak to them and anyone else that's around at the time because yeah, you know, nobody likes arguing when you have a crying baby. <laughs> also noticed it is a, a whole lot easier to take care of a crying baby or any stressful situation when morale is high. So say you and your <laughs> wife got into a dispute that morning in a couple hours when the baby's crying, it doesn't work out as good as if you were on an even playing field that same morning, you know? So keeping morale high and keeping the vibes good uh, just increases the chance that a situation will be less stressful. That's what I noticed anyway. Yeah. So it makes you, it makes you, it makes me at least try and be a better uh, person, better husband because I got to keep morale high because we got to keep this stressful situation is less stressful mm-hmm. and I can control that. I can't control. It's attitude, if, man. Yeah. I can't control if the baby's getting mad. If everything's good, he's getting fussy. You can't control that. Babies get mad. They get upset. But I can control how I act towards her and how I act towards my family members and friends and people that are watching, people yeah. that are watching them, people that are around. So that's what I can control. I can't control whether he's going to cry or not, but I can control where the morale's high. Yeah. So that's really what I try. I'm, I'm still working on it, but and I'm obviously not very good. And I'm obviously not very patient. I still get... Um, not frustrated, but um, agitated, I should say, pretty easily. So if he's, I've done everything I could possibly do and he's still crying, then I'm like, man, I'm such an idiot. And I get like mad at myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's never good. Like, I don't get mad at him. Um, well, yeah, I, I say that. I, we'll just be just being real. I I do get mad. Like, I get agitated at him because I'm like, come on, man. Like, what do you yeah. want? I, I wish I could just ask you what's wrong. But yeah. I can't. Um, but then you got to take a step back and realize it's not his fault. He's only lived for two months. Mm-hmm. He, he's not very good at it yet. You know. It changes your whole perspective. I've lived for 24 years. I kind of got, I got a little <laughs> more experience than him. So, um, but yeah. Attitude. It's, attitude goes a long way, man. It's powerful. It's, uh. It's like if you can be conscious enough to to realize that your attitude towards things is like the root of one of the roots of managing your stress, you're ahead of the game. Yeah. It's all about that attitude. Um but yeah, that's uh I guess we won't talk about that. We've been talking about that for thirty minutes already. Well. Um we won't stay linger here too much longer, but um no man, I, I I've enjoyed it. I, I've actually decided that some of my topics I can uh, I can dish for the next podcast. So I had I wrote all these down so I wouldn't forget. You know, emotions manifesting themselves, stressful situations, the memories, um strengthening relationships. It definitely does that with um your partner, your significant other, your family members, like it obviously strengthens your relationship with your partner because you're both going through it together, but it also strengthens the relationship with your own parents 
and your own families yeah. because you you start to realize how much your parents did for you when you were like you think about it every baby had to be taken care of just like I'm taking care of this baby my my family took care of me like I'm taking care of him so when you think about it in that light you're like wow they really you think of how stressful it is and all you have to do and you think wow they really they did that for me and it makes you appreciative of what they've done for you so it strengthens that that relationship in a different aspect um and then you see them taking care of your kid it's like they did a double they did a double dose you know um you see the grandparents taking care of your baby and you're like man they took care of me like that and they love me enough to take care of my kid like that as well and it's then you get more emotions and you're like wow it's insane yeah it, I, it just puts you at a loss for words you can't even i can't even explain yeah i mean how, you're speaking about some some deep spiritual stuff dude. like I'm, i mean i'm sure that having a baby and and having that experience and watching it grow is a, is a spiritual experience in itself it is man it's you, every every time you ask someone about having a kid you're like they say you can't even explain it and i haven't tried to explain it like this before and i see what they're saying now it's like very difficult to put emotions and love and feelings of that caliber into words for somebody else to understand. Yeah. It's one of those things where going through an experience and experiencing something on your own for yourself just gives you, takes it to that next level. You know, yeah. like I can tell you about how beautiful this hike and trail is, but you won't actually understand until you go and hike it for yourself and see the scenery and yeah. see see the land and the sun setting and the just the the whole trail itself. Yeah, man, you can conceptualize all you want, but until you've had that direct experience, it's uh it's just not even going to pale in comparison. No, so that's that's an issue honestly with with the the college system right now is they they're so based in concept like or concept. They conceptualize, they they improve the knowledge base but as far as like experience and so you you get a college student that's that's been kind of indoctrinated with this this uh collegiate level academia and they they start you know you you tell them something they start pulling out papers and research and articles and all this and they start throwing all this at you and uh one of my favorite quotes is that uh, intellectualism is often a common cover-up for the fear of direct experience. So it's it, it can be uh, overwhelming being around somebody like that and that's throwing all this stuff at you, but oftentimes it's just a defense mechanism because they've never actually experienced it. It's like I can talk, I can sit here and give you advice and and um, you know, concept and theory about how to raise a child and how the emotions, you know, how your emotions are connected with his emotions and it's all emotional. But I've never had a kid. I've I've never directly experienced that. And so I, I didn't I didn't intend for us to talk about this as long, but it is genuinely fascinating me 
hearing your experience, hearing your direct experience and knowing that, I mean, I, I plan to have a kid someday. Yeah. And so it's just like, I don't know, man, it's just no, hitting me in a different way. That's right why, now. that's why, um, the, I think the two go together being very intelligent about something and then having experience on something. So this, this conversation is flowing because I can give you experience and I'm not as intellectual or intelligent about emotions or the the human brain as you are so you can give me information about it and i can apply that and then i give you experience and you can apply that so we're both helping each other by so being intelligent about something and being um or having a lot of factual information about it isn't a bad thing it helps it yeah it helps i think it helps I think it helps gain an appreciation and an understanding for the direct experience that you're having. It's yeah. Like you can have that direct experience. And if, for example, okay, take somebody who just walks around every day. They're not, they, they don't really dive into books. You know, they're just experiencing the life as it comes at them. They can walk down the sidewalk and, you know, they can appreciate the, you know, what's what's out there and the beauty of nature or the city that they're in to a certain degree but take that take a different person in the same scenario one that understands how absolutely small the earth is in comparison to all of the known universe and how all of the biological processes of these plants that that are over here these bushes or or knowing some fun facts about them even and how the appreciation, the ability to appreciate the direct experience is elevated through having some of this concept, having some of this theory, having a deeper understanding helps you appreciate the direct experience. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I don't think that you should um, get weighed down in either one of them. I don't think you should be mm-hmm. unintelligent about things and just be like, oh, well, I've been doing this a long time, so I know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't think you should say, well, I've had three kids, but I've never read any information or read any literature on parenting. Mm-hmm. I think you should, and I also think you shouldn't say, well, I know how to take care of a kid. I've never had one, but I've read 57 books about it, you know? Exactly. I think you should read about it, and then I think you should apply that to your experience. But sometimes that information might not work for your situation or your child so then that's where the experience part comes in but then maybe you're having a problem with your child you don't know what's wrong so you go read some literature about it and then you take the information and apply it to the experience like they both can apply to each other and you can both interchange them but like you said i don't think it's good to to be bogged down in either one Mm -hmm. i think you should take both of them and meld them together. Yeah, the integration of both of them cuz they're both they're both necessary for your for your experience, really. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's awesome, man. I I'm just I'm like grinning ear to ear here. I'm just so happy for you, man. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that you can you can look at your child now and look at your wife and look at your dog and appreciate like life to a, just a whole nother level. And that's that's something I, I can't understand. Like I feel like I I feel like I appreciate things pretty deeply, but I can't appreciate the 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 depth and the breadth of having a child. Dude, it's that's that's 
a big part of it. And it's also one of the sadder things about it um, is you get a new concept of life and you also get a new concept of death because millions and millions of children are born each day and millions and millions of people pass away each day. And it gives you a whole newfound um, perspective on um, appreciating things more and not taking for granted those who are older in your life. You know, like um, my grandparents are old, man. And this life was just made, but there's also life that's going to pass away and it just it puts the whole circle of life into a new into a new perspective for me like you hear about it on the lion king man the circle of life but it's true it's the way the world works it's a heavy truth it's sad sometimes but the more you come to grasp it the more you can appreciate the time that you're given you know yeah so it's a heavy, heavy truth. It I, is. I, it really I honestly is. remember the first time that I was told that everyone on earth died. I remember being in the car, going, I was driving home from church with my, my nana, my mom's mom, and uh, having that discussion with her that everybody dies, and it clicked in my brain. Like, I vividly remember this. I can't remember how old I was, but I, I like, dude, I just started bawling. And yeah. you know how, like, kids, <clears throat> I was young enough to where I was very authentic. You know, it's like, there's like a certain point where kids reach where they, like, start, you know, gaining all these barriers and walls, and they start, you know, developing these certain behaviors, and they're, you know, they basically, they're their own worst enemy as far as their mentality goes. Um, but I was young enough not to have that. And it was like the, the authenticity of hearing that information for the first time and how heavy that truth is that all life dies. Dude. And having to, to apply that knowledge to your own child. It's like some, someday he's going to die. You're going to die. I know, dude. Everybody's going to die. (laughs) I know that's such a... (laughs) We've gotten gotten deep here. Oh, my God. Dude, at first, when you you try and grasp... like, It's obviously impossible to grasp that at this age. Um, I assume the older you get, the more you can. But when you at least try to start thinking about it, it's heavy and it's very sad. And you think about my loved ones are getting old and their their time is coming to an end and I'm getting old. I I just created a life that just started and um you know, it can be um not stressful, it can be consuming. You can think like you get flustered, you get anxious, you say, Well, what's I don't want to die. I don't want my family to die. Um but then you try and take a step back and realize that that's the way it, it has always been and that's the way it always will be. You know, there's no way that th- that won't happen. Every human born on this earth 
will eventually pass away. And I'm not saying that I've grasped that. I'm still working on it. But it to help, that's a, a heavy and sad truth. But to combat that, you try and live and interact with these family members and your kids and your friends and make the most of what you do have. Yeah. So that, that, that makes me emotional too, man. Like, yeah, it, it puts the circle of life into a big perspective, but it also makes me more appreciative and more thankful for my family and friends. Yeah. Going back, Going back to where you're operating from, you just described both both ends of the spectrum. It's like you're either operating from a place of fear. I don't want my family to die. I don't want all of this. And that, that may be true because you love them, but it's like you either can fear death or love life, you know? Yeah. And it's like when you operate from that place of, of love and you do love life, I mean, it's like, Life doesn't happen without death. You've got to learn to, to love that as well, you know? It's like you're going to spend this time. Why would, the, why would the time be valuable if you had all the time in the universe, you know? Yeah. It's like that limited time that you have is what makes it so valuable, and that's why you should love life. Yeah. And there's all kinds of other reasons to love life, but it, it boils down to you don't have all the time in the world. So love life. Don't fear death. Yeah. That's why they say that's why they say in many, many other religions about being born again. It's like you have this other perspective that's like I don't I don't live in fear of my own death anymore. Or my family's death or whatever it is. It's like that happens. But I'm just gonna love the life that I live with them. Yeah. And then like it it gives I'll just speak about me personally. It it makes me, it en- enhances the love for everything. My love threshold and empathy threshold is skyrocketing by the day. So when I see, when I see people in society and I see everything that's going on, it, it hurts because there's so much hatred, man. Like, not just in... Um, not just in certain demographics but just everywhere and uh, when you have a kid uh, dude let it out man give me a second gotcha dude he's gotta grow up too man and he's going to be seeing all this stuff and he's going to see all this hatred and see all this division and it just makes um, it makes all that stuff so superfluous it doesn't matter like political stuff doesn't matter like racial stuff all that stuff doesn't matter. Like, I just don't understand how uh, there's so much division. Like, even among family members and friends and people that call themselves acquaintances, 
like if nobody can agree nobody can come together like if you believe this and i don't like you if you are a democrat i don't like you if you're a republican i don't like you if you're for black lives matter i don't like you like i just don't understand how how everyone can't you know just settle their differences and just come together as a human everyone is a human man like we're getting we're getting so far apart and so separated with all these labels and all these different things that people forget that we're all humans man like it's like we lost our sense of the whole species man like it's like people don't even consider humans humans anymore it's like you're you're labeled something else besides a human and that's really sad and with a kid um you want them to grow up and be surrounded by love and affection and people that are gonna deliver them good messages and provide them with valuable information about life and the way they should go and you know seeing everything like this man it's really disheartening just seeing the way everything is divided but got real heavy there for a second but damn dude it's so sad i hate it so much wow i hate it that's uh that was a good dialogue man (laughs) i was sitting in awe listening to you to you uh articulate that that was that was beautiful dude that was not good articulation at all that was (laughs) terrible articulation that was that was poetic man that was awesome um damn that's just wow i hate it though i i feel you i feel you on a big level at what at what point do you stop labeling a human a human I, i love that that's basically what you said it's like we're we're all human. We should treat each other like humans. And you do. You see you see like people getting like their whole motivation for being political is to make the other side cry. <laughs> or or because they want to win and and not have this other party win and it's like it creates this just hatred. It's like man, I'm so, I'm up around so many people on different sides. I grew up in a very rural community that has a lot of very conservative-minded people, and I've went off to college that have a lot of very liberal-minded people, and I see both sides, and I try to transcend the, the like I was saying earlier, going meta, and just kind of like looking at the whole situation, and it's, 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 not, it's not even about your beliefs anymore and what you hold dear which if you really ultimately thought about it's it's the human experience and that's something that you share with everybody but you you get so blinded about being right or making the other side hurt you know if you can't have it nobody can that type of mentality it's like you're not human anymore i know dude it's like everybody is uh it's like everyone just lost it somehow. Somehow there's a disconnect with with the human emotion and feeling yeah, and spirit, you know? It's like everyone is labeled something. Mm-hmm. It's like, why can't we all just be, and I don't know, maybe that sounds 
out there, but I don't I don't know. It's just how I feel. Yeah. It's like and, why, and you why look, can't you look at the Christian take on it? It's like God is unity, the devil is separation. That's ultimately what it boils down to. It's like we got a bunch of devilish-minded people that are trying to separate everything, that are falling for the, the tricks of the devil, the tricks of the ego, you know, and not realizing that unity of God, the source, all that is, being, and how we are all connected. We all share this experience, and it's a beautiful experience. Yeah. I think, I think some of it, too, is... Uh um the american culture man like when people can get whatever they want whenever they want it i'm not i'm not saying i'm excluded from this either it makes people selfish it makes people um i don't know what what the word i'm trying to think is um lustful they want something they want it they got to have it like mm-hmm. people in in third world countries, like they don't they don't experience this on experience this to the same degree, like because they can't go get whatever they want. They're thankful for what they have. They're thankful they have food. They're they're thankful that they have a place to live. They're thankful that their family's with them. They're not they're not ungrateful because they can't go get a new truck because they have to wear a mask in public. Yeah, because it's like they're thankful for what they have somehow. We've got away from being thankful for stuff. Yeah. And the comparison, and, being, and, the, and we, no, you, nobody can be content. Yeah, with something that they have, they yeah. always have to have something else. They have to have something new. They have to have something better than their friends. They have to have something better than their family members to impress somebody. It's like everybody's just competing to get ahead, and nobody's stepping back and being content with what they have. And the comparison that you're making here is the difference between trying to find your happiness external from yourself or finding the happiness internal of yourself. Yeah. It's like if you're always chasing something outside of you, again, the the human experience does not happen outside of you. The human experience happens within you. And until you can learn or practice or achieve the appreciation for the human experience, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to see other as connected to you because you're always chasing things that are external, that are separate from you, and you think that's going to make you happy, and it's not. And so we talked about how this, how this manifests like as a collective type thing with politics and how people you know, these groups of people. And now we're talking about it kind of on an individual level. It's like if you, if you separate yourself from other on an individual level, it results in an unhappy life, in a non-satisfactory life. It's like if you can't achieve happiness in this life, what is it? By definition, it's unsatisfactory and unhappy. So... Yeah, learn to learn to appreciate the human experience and a big big tip for that is it doesn't happen outside of you. Yeah. And we'll finish this off um on a lighter note like Yeah, there's always things about society, about culture, about yourself that you don't like that you don't want to see um but there's also good things about it. You know, 
you can't always say that, well, society is always like that. It can change. Things can change. People can change. Mindsets can change. Collectives can change. And, you know, hopefully it will sometime. I don't know if it'll be in the, anytime soon, if it'll ever happen. But you can just always hope that, you know, people can change for the better. So Yes, I'm I'm very optimistic about it. I think that I think that keep this in mind. Any type of growth is typically painful. When you go to the gym, you you break down your muscles, you get sore the next day. That type of thinking. It's mm-hmm. like it's really mm-hmm. uncomfortable. It's an yeah. uncomfortable time right now. There's a lot of stuff being shaken right now. A lot of shit shakers. Yeah. But typically, after the discomfort comes growth. So all the all the all the bad that we've talked about, it's like you can't have the bad without the good. There's going to be some good coming. Yeah. So so be optimistic. And that's what you got to think about. Like gonna, I said, you can't dwell on all the negative stuff because it'll consume you, man. Like you get consumed with emotion, you get consumed with what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Like. How's it going to turn out? What's it going to look like five years down the road? And you forget to appreciate what you're doing right now. So, yeah, that's awesome. But this has been, I think it is good though (laughs) to think about those every once in a while. Yeah. It's good to think about, you know, what makes you sad. Like it's good to think about what's going to happen in the future, but you don't dwell on it. You reflect don't dwell reflect yeah so be a be a like an electrical wire let the let the emotion flow through you but don't hang on to that sucker yeah and then reflect on it later and understand that sadness don't don't make sadness a negative emotion sadness is an emotion to make you realize what made you sad and it gives you the opportunity to reflect on what makes you sad and the same opportunity that you have with joy to reflect on what gives you joy and and, and so on with anger. It's like, what makes you angry? Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the emotions are guides. They're teachers. Use them as such. So this has been a great conversation, Will. Like this has been a lot, a lot deeper than I anticipated. And, and you're talking about ending it on a, on a lighter note. Um, if you if you have any finishing thoughts on the on the subject, oh no, that's all I got. Okay, I, my okay. brain's fried after that. Yeah, that was wow. That's all I got on that I subject. Hope, I hope we gotta go to something else. I dude. hope the audience. I hope the audience enjoyed that that long dialogue between me and William. Wow, that was that was something that 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 affected me in ways. You, I mean. That's the first time I think that we've gotten really emotional on the podcast. Got, got dude, some I'm tears, telling you, tears dropping in here. Dude, I'm telling you, man, like my emotional, uh, <laughs> the cup to where I could contain my emotions. It used to be like a five gallon bucket, but now it's like a little shot glass. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and I would have a five gallon bucket. Think of it like this. There's a five gallon bucket and you have a normal cup. And those were my emotions that I would dump into the bucket and I could suppress them. But now I have the cup, and the five-gallon bucket is full of emotions, and I pour it into the cup, and now they just overflow. Yeah, because there's too much. Get the waterworks going. Yeah. 
Anyways. That's crazy. We were talking. Sorry, I didn't mean we didn't. No, I didn't know it was gonna happen. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I I I had a whole bunch to say, but it it can be another podcast. I'd really like for that to be kind of towards the beginning because it's it's impactful what I have to say. But we'll save it for another time. I do want to finish on something that I'm doing right now though. So I have not eaten <laughs> in about <laughs> three days. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my god so uh yeah i'm fasting and i want to talk a little bit just a little bit about the uh, biology behind fasting so yeah we evolved as a species to go periods of time without eating and in today's culture we eat i mean typically probably three meals a day maybe a couple snacks in between um people's diets vary so much like i literally sit and talk with people about what they eat and it it blows my mind how people vary from diet to diet and time to time and how many times they eat and all all that stuff but uh so we were we were designed really to go you know periods of time without eating and the reason for that is is when your your gi tract from mouth to anus is completely clear of food your body participates in something they call autophagy. Autophagy is basically the programmed uh, cell death within your body. And that sounds like a bad thing. We're just talking about death, but it's a good thing, actually. It, it takes all of the, the old damaged cells that aren't as good at doing their job. It, it you know, basically kills them and replaces them with new healthy cells that are adequate and vital to you know, keep you from having infections slip through your GI tract, get into your bloodstream, and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's good to to participate in at least intermittent fasting occasionally, just having like certain windows that you eat throughout the day because you still can participate in autophagy when you have that type of scenario. Ooh, okay, let me let me interject. Yeah, go ahead. Or it's not interjecting, it's a question. How long do you have to go before autophagy starts to take place? Um, that is a good question, and honestly, it depends on what you eat. Because so, I, most of the time, I guess you could call it an intermittent fast. I eat dinner the night before, right? And then I won't eat anything until lunch the next day. So that's like 14, 16 hours maybe, something like that? Yeah. So is that long enough for that to take place, or would you have to go um, longer than that? It, again, it's going to depend on, on what you eat. Um, so, like, for example, certain macronutrients take longer to digest than other macronutrients, yeah. like carbs, proteins, fats. And depending on the ratio of what you're eating, if you're eating really heavy fat, if you're eating really heavy protein or carb, it's going to increase or slow down that transit time. Uh, so, I, I would say that participating into where you said what 14 to 16 hours where you're not eating yeah i would say that that i i couldn't say with utmost confidence i'd have to look at more of the research on that i'm glad you asked the question i mean i'm 24 years old still learning probably probably look into that but i would say that that's a very good practice as far as what it's doing on a hormonal level and i don't want to i don't want to go into all of the hormones right now, that's not my, my purpose. But basically, you keep yourself from producing as much insulin, which keeps you from 
ultimately building a tolerance and becoming insulin resistant, which ultimately leads to metabolic disease, uh, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's good not to have an insulin response all the time because when you eat, you're having an insulin response, and yeah. that's kind of what leads to that, you know, insulin resistance, if you will, that tolerance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's one, honestly, good uh, benefit, biologically speaking, of why you fast, is you reduce your risk for cardiovascular disease, you reduce your risk for developing diabetes. Um, but I don't want to talk so much about the biological aspects so much because that's not the reason that I'm doing it right now. It's not the reason I fasted for three days. Um, typically I just do like intermittent fasting. I typically eat once a day. I'll take a whole hour to eat like, you know, 3000 calories. It's a rather large meal. Um, and I, I, that sounds like a lot of like food, like a lot of volume. Um, but so I, I eat, predominantly fat in my diet i don't eat a lot of carbs i would say that probably less than 10 percent of my diet is carbohydrate like i I eat mainly fat mainly protein and fat is over twice as energy dense like calorically dense than carbohydrate foods like you know plant most plant-based stuff and any processed like grains or anything um so it's like i don't have to eat as much volume to get that amount of calories in so it's not like I'm eating like a ton, a ton of food that just makes me bloated. Like I just eat a lot of really fatty protein meats and all kinds of stuff like that. I gotcha. So anyways, typically that's what I do when I want to just like, you know, be healthier. And that's, that's when I think of more of the health aspect. But when it gets into the spiritual aspect of fasting, um, it's 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 a different approach. Um and so what I've done and I mean there's there's reasons that Jesus and and Buddha and you know Muhammad and all these participated in fasting. All major religions have some form of, you know, spiritually directed fasting. Technique. That is true. They fast and pray. I've, yeah. I've I've seen that in uh Christianity but in Buddhism like all, pretty much every religion. Yeah. Every every major religion has some form or fashion of fasting, and uh, the one that most people are probably familiar with is Jesus going out in the desert and fasting for forty days. I mean, there's a reason he he did that. Uh, you know, he was he was tempted by the devil. Um, you know, for forty days Dude, and forty nights. Uh, I'll interject real quick. I used to always. I grew up in a Christian household, so I used to always hear that story, and I would think he didn't eat for forty days. Now, you know, I'm not saying I disagree with the Bible or whatever. But I'm saying, no chance you go 40 days without eating. <laughs> yeah. But, dude, I saw the show on Netflix, I think. I can't remember what it was called. I don't want to even try to remember what it is. But these people went to this facility. It's like a fasting facility. And you can go and stay for as long as you want. And there were people that had been over 30 days without eating. Mm-hmm. And, like, I saw them sitting there. And, like, they were perfectly fine. They had their vitals checked every day. Um, and they had gone over 30 days without eating and i was like that was like a kind of realization moment and i was like dude you can actually go 40 days you can go 40 days without eating it's real like (laughs) that's crazy you you can actually there's a there's a guy and you can look this up on on the internet there was a guy that went a whole year without eating he just got vitamin injections 
That's he, crazy. He literally did not eat for a whole year. Imagine that. <laughs> Just like crazy, let the bro. let the weight of that statement sink in. Did not eat for three hundred and sixty-five days, and he's alive. And he's alive. There were no ad. As far as my knowledge goes, I don't think that like he had any life-threatening situations. Like he was just chilling on vitamins, vitamins and water. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But um, I got yeah. It. So I just want to I just want to comment on my experience, and one of the reasons that I'm doing this now, I'm doing. Uh, the different labors of this year, like I've recently done um, active meditations like Tai Chi, Qi Gong, uh, doing like silent, Qigong. Yeah, silent walks and th- things like that. Things that are very actively meditating. I'm doing an hour of journaling a day now, and uh, that's that's pretty difficult. What is so funny, dude? <laughs> you said Tai Chi, and the only thing I can think of is Jimmy Neutron, the Jimmy Neutron movie where... Cindy, Cindy doing yeah. Tai Chi with Purple Flirt. Tai Chi when mixed with Purple Flirt creates insane relaxation. <laughs> insane relaxation. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Oh my Sorry. gosh. No, dude, Tai Chi is, is balling, dude. I, uh, <laughs> I get in the backyard, get my bare feet <laughs> on the ground, just start doing Tai Chi. Dude, you get in some flow states. Anyways, not talking about that. Um... I'm doing these labors, and so my December labor is literally to go and alternate four days on fasting, three days off, where I can eat. And that's for a spiritual purpose. The way I've divided my labors are four spirits of the mind, four spirits of the body, and four spirits, I mean, not, not spirits, four labors of the spirit, four labors of the mind, four labors of the body. And so, um, yeah. That's that's my December labor, and it's like I've been, you know, methodically doing these longer fasts throughout the year to kind of prepare for that. Because going four days without eating is tough. Like it's tough. Yeah, I never tried it, but it sounds tough. Um, but I will say this, because like I've done the longest I've done are three day fasts, and the claim on all of these spiritual traditions involving fasting in their repertoire of spiritual techniques is they get in this state of mind that is so fluid, so like elevated in a sense, just like kind of more in tune with the, the spirit, if you will, whatever that is. And I can attest just on three days of fasting. It, it you do, you get in this, uh, it's like your metabolism slows way down, but with it, like reality just slows way down. And you're able to see things in a different light. Um, yeah. And I would say that you have to elevate your consciousness, if you will. Like you have to become more aware. It's like you can go three days without eating and have these, these little nuanced things happen. And if you're not aware of them enough to to actually appreciate them like we were talking about earlier, you don't have a greater understanding of what's actually happening to you. You may just be like, yeah, I did a three-day fast and I just got really hungry. And not, <laughs> and not like, you know, appreciate what's happening. But as you become more aware, as you become more conscious and you participate in these spiritual techniques, 
dude, just in the, it's a little under three days that I haven't eaten, but just in that time, like the drive over here, I was so mellow. I was like, so like, oh, I'm back in Arkansas. I'm fixing to go and see my buddy Will. I haven't seen him in a long time. Like this is, this is something I'm really enjoying doing. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was looking to get to your house real quick and, and do the podcast and then go do something else. It's like I was so in the moment. I was so intrinsic with, with how, where my happiness was coming from. Yeah. So uh, I just, I just kind of wanted to give like a report of, you know, what my experience with fasting has been. It's been pretty limited. I've, I've not done like, you know, a week-long fast or, uh, you know, doing certain fasts like the in the Christian traditions they do like the David fast and whatnot. I can't remember what they are, but yeah, yeah, but, something like that. I mean, my my uh, grandma Donna, she she does a fast like every. I do believe it's in January. She does like a thirty day like bread fast. Oh yeah, where she can okay. only drink like water and tea and uh, eat bread. And so there's different forms of fasting, but um, in my experience with just like not eating, and and again, I, I want to warn people like if you go long enough, like you need to supplement, like you need to especially like sodium and magnesium and potassium. It's like your body needs those things to keep your, your extracellular fluids intact and make sure you don't have a heart attack and all kinds of other things. Um, so like really look into it before you start experimenting with this, but you know, going a day without eating is not going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, assuming that'd be a good place to start. Though. Assuming that you're nourished. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good thing to work up because it is, it's, it's tough, man. You get those hormones, leptin and ghrelin. Ghrelin. That's what I was saying. Ghrelin's the of. one that makes you really hungry. Yeah. And it, it, it's a, it's a beast, man. It's a hard <laughs> one to, it's a hard one to deny when it comes at you full fledged. Um, but anyways, yeah, uh, I encourage you to look into it. If you're, if you're, if you're into pursuing spirituality on any level, um, I, I think it's a good tool to add to your tool belt. I mean, meditation's in there, uh, yoga's in there. I mean, there's all kinds of different techniques uh, yeah. to, to kind of have these in-tune experiences, if you will. Dude, I like what you said. Wow. I'll kind of touch on it. When you said you were driving over here, you're so mellow and like just appreciative of what was happening at that time. Mm-hmm. I've also noticed that um, since my, um, like I said, my emotions are really heightened. So little small things like that trigger a, uh, I don't know if it's like a dopamine release in my brain or something, but like on the way home yesterday from work, I guess it was, it was Friday. Like it's Labor Day weekend, so I don't have to go to work on Monday. Um, and I just was listening to this song I listen to all the time, and just like the guitar in it, just something just flicked in my brain, and I just got insanely like chill and happy when I just heard that specific sound. Like I'd heard it a million times, but just something about that specific time and place, it just made me feel insanely. Warm. I don't know. It was really weird. <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. It was like when you say you get high on life, I think that's when you just get like an extra kick of dopamine in your brain from something that happened. And so it, it's actually going to be uh, more related to the neurochemical serotonin, which is the mood, oh, serotonin. The mood chemical. Dopamine is more like you do something, it rewards you. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. 
just a brief overview. Well, it was serotonin kick in then. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's important. Oh, I was thinking, I was thinking of melatonin. So, that's when you sleep. <laughs> yeah. So just to go on that, uh, ninety to ninety-five percent of the serotonin in your body is made in your gut. So talking about, <laughs> so talking about what you eat, or in this case, we're talking about fasting, what you don't eat can affect your mood and the way that, you, like, I mean, your emotions kind of shape your perspective on things. They help do the work of giving you the energy to, like, care about things. Yeah, yeah. And so if you can alter those at times, whether it be through fasting, whether it be through prayer, meditation, all these different things, and just get in a mood, get in a zone that allows you to just, appreciate life from a different angle it's it's worth it it's worth it because again god god is unity and the the more that you can you'll you'll never understand the unity completely just uh, just start out with that knowledge but as you gain a greater understanding as you become closer to god if you will your perspective widens, your appreciation widens, your, your capacity to love and be loved widens. It's, it's something, going back, we're tying this whole podcast in together, man. Going back to, to concept versus experience. It's like I can tell you all these things. I can tell you right now with utmost certainty, if you pray, if you meditate for 30 minutes a day, your life will improve. I can say that with utmost confidence. But until you experience that, you'll never understand what I'm saying. You'll, yeah. never, you'll never get it. Yeah. It's like I can sit here and rant and rave about how you need to do, have some form of spiritual practice, whether you're meditating, praying, all these techniques, fasting, but until you experience these things, it's just not going to sink in on a visceral level for you. Yep. And it's also difficult because you say that and people will say, nah, nah, and they're skeptical and they never try it. And be it, skeptical. No, I'm saying. I want them to be skeptical. Yeah, I know. Try it for yourself. I'm saying they're skeptical and that skepticism pushes them away and they never try it and then they never experience it. And then anytime someone says that, they're like, oh, that's just a bunch of baloney. You know, they never actually try it and see. Come on, just try it one time. Yeah. Just don't, give it one little chance. Don't take me for my word. Go out and try it. Yeah. Don't believe me. So this, this, this thing that I'm talking about, this experience that I'm talking about, it transcends belief. It's like what you believe is not the, the truth with a capital T. What you believe is a box of what you've, you've surrounded yourself with. It's like what is happening right now and what you believe what is happening outside of you and, and within you is greater than what you believe. Because again, you can't understand God completely. You can't put God in this box of your individual belief. And so once you have these experiences that I'm talking about, you're like, oh, I, I understand what he's saying. But until you have that, you just don't get it. That's what I try. And that's why people think that... Uh, well, not all people, but most people that aren't affiliated with any type of religion or anything, they see 
someone who is and someone who's very spiritual and they think they're fanatic. They're crazy because mm-hmm. they, they're so in tune. And I'm not saying, you know, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but they see someone so in tune with their own spirituality and their own religion and their own beliefs. And they think, well, that person's crazy. Like, but the reason they're like that is because they've experienced something that someone else hasn't. You can believe something, but once you experience it, it enhances the belief even more. And it gives you something to go off of. It gives you faith, if, if you want to call it that. You know, like, yeah, I can believe God, or I can believe there's a God, but if, I, like, say, I pray to him, I meditate, I ask him for things, I ask him to protect my family, if all those things come to fruition, then that just enhances my belief even more because I experienced something personally from that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, you can tell somebody your beliefs and they probably won't believe it because they haven't experienced anything. It's, it's all personal is basically what I'm trying to get yeah, at. Yeah, it's a, pers- it's a personal I- experience. You have to experience it for yourself. Yeah. You the- can't just say it, that's why all of these these religions that we're talking about are talking about how it's a personal relationship with God. Yeah. It's it's inside you. The answer is inside you. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of different ways of saying it, but it's like nobody else can tell you about it. It just can't be done. Yeah. And I mean, I love I love going to church. I love going to church, but until you experience what the preacher is telling you, it's like you're not going to get it. And it takes work. It really does. It takes it takes work of like thinking about these things and and thinking about some of these things like we were talking about earlier with with death and where death fits into your life. It's like that's an emotionally uncomfortable thing to think about, especially by yourself. Yeah. And so Alone, it's like but if you're those, meditating, <laughs> but those are the things, those are the things that need to be thought about in order for you to get it. It's like it takes work. So yeah, like I mean we're we're got we're running a lot longer than I anticipated, <laughs> but but the bottom line, last thing I'm gonna say about it is because I mean I I like I said, I can't tell you I can't tell you what the answer is. So it's like you get in this you get in this situation where it just goes around and around and around of me telling you that I can't tell you what it is. But just understand <laughs> just understand <laughs> dude. Keep going, dude. I'm sorry. Will is cracking up over here. Just understand <laughs> I'm just sorry, just dude. understand that you have got to experience it. Unless you experience it, nobody can tell you, nobody can point you in the direction and be like this is this is indefinitely it. I agree. I agree. So. Dude, I'm sorry. You said <laughs> that's the bottom line. <laughs> I instantly thought about Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin. Or actually, Stone Cold E.T. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> Let me get a couple cheeseburgers. Oh, oh my okay. gosh. Leave me a favor. Go on YouTube and watch Stone Cold E.T. Don't waste your time. Please go watch Stone Cold Please E.T. Please don't waste your time. And that's the bottom line. <laughs>
Oh man, I've enjoyed the conversation. We we got deep, we got spiritual, we got emotional. We man, this was good. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, that was a good one, man. I love the. I love. Everybody needs a little casual conversation. You need it. You need it. Yep. Expressing yourself verbally with a, a comrade, a family member, a friend. Comrade. It it's good. It's good for the brain. Good for the heart. Good for the soul. Yep. Yep. All around good. Anyway. Holy cow. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you can you can find me on Instagram, GarrettGreat96, and at Garrett G A R R E T T dot columns C O L L U M S. And yeah, that's that's really it. Go follow me. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't even I don't get on Twitter, so I'm gonna stop saying my Twitter handle. I haven't posted on Twitter in like four, four or five years. But you can follow on Instagram. It's impressive. Will underscore Pennington zero zero on Instagram. Go check it out. I have a picture of my baby on there. You guys can go look at him. Yeah, He's Liam. <laughs> He's cute. Anyway, all right. I enjoyed it, man. That was a good one. That was a really good one. All right, Gary out. Well, later.